Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown 39 and single, can someone help me out? He could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite I just need Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spermcast. We have a wonderful show for you this week with Dr. Yelly, and I'll get to that in a little while. First, I want to thank my newest Patreon members. Ooh, I have 258 patrons, and we're at $739 a month. But only one new Patreon subscriber this week, Roizen. Looks like Raisin, but with an O. Roizen. Thank you, Roizen. You mean a lot to me. And now, time for the show and some updates. Okay, so when I left you last week, I was pretty sure I was going to have a chemical pregnancy. My HCG had doubled significantly, but it was still very low for where it should be at that point in a pregnancy. Dr. Chung told me to come in on Friday, Valentine's Day, and said that if my HCG was not over 300 by that point, that she would recommend that I stop taking my progesterone and estrogen and let my body take over, which would basically lead to a period. So... I didn't hold out any hope. I even made plans to go to the Korean spa this weekend to soak in their hot tubs, something you're definitely not allowed to do if you're pregnant. But secretly, I was hoping for a miracle. I kept peeing on pregnancy tests, and wouldn't you know it, my line kept getting the tiniest bit darker every day. Since I couldn't control the future, I just decided to enjoy my week of positive pregnancy tests. I was pregnant until proven otherwise. Then Friday rolled around, and I did my blood test early in the morning and awaited the phone call with the results. And that's when I started to get a little nervous. Again, I knew there was no chance, but you know, maybe... At noon, my headshot client and makeup artist showed up and I thought, shit, I do not want to get this call while I'm shooting. I didn't want to be around fun, happy, excited, laughing people. I wanted to be alone in a quiet and peaceful place. So I emailed Dr. Chung and asked her if she could call me with the results after 5 p.m. She replied, yes, I'll call you around that time. What did that short email mean? Did she already know the results? Was she keeping it short because she knew it was bad news? Or maybe it was good news and she didn't want to get me excited. Oh my god, it was all I could think about for the next five hours. 5 p.m. got closer and my client and makeup artist were still there and still excited and laughing. Finally, I had to tell them to get the fuck out. But like, I said it in a nice way. Then I sat and I waited. I checked my phone. Ringer on. Volume up. I checked it again. The ringer's on. The volume is up. Then suddenly... A missed call from an unknown caller. No. And then I realized I've got this setting on my phone that sends unknown calls to my voicemail. And while I was trying to fix it, I got another missed call from an unknown caller. And then a voicemail. Hi, Molly. It's Dr. Chung calling. I'm so sorry I missed you. Um, I just wanted to call with the results of your blood test from today. Um, So the level is 72. 
So it did go up significantly, but, um, you know, at this point, because of where you are in this process, you're about five weeks pregnant based on the timing of the transfer. Um, this level is really too low to be considered viable for, for healthy pregnancy. So at this point, I recommend that you stop your medications, but I would like to make sure that the level is going down um, just in case it's an ectopic pregnancy. I don't think so, but um, just in case. So if you could come back on Wednesday for a repeat blood test, that would be great. But for now, please stop your medications, estrays, progesterone, all of it, and then um, we'll repeat the level on Wednesday, and hopefully um, things will start to resolve on their own after you stop the meds. But if you have any questions, please let me know. I'm sorry that this pregnancy is not working out the way we hoped, but I am optimistic that we're going to get there. So hang in there. Happy Valentine's Day, and let me know if you have questions, okay? Bye, Molly. I guess I'm going to the Korean spa, baby. I'm going to soak in those hot tubs and detox all these nasty hormones out of my body. Except, wait, what happens if I go back on Wednesday and my HCG is still going up? Is there still some microscopic sliver of a chance? Oh, man. What if I go to the Korean spa and this is a viable pregnancy and I raise my body temperature and then I am the reason the pregnancy ends? Uh, So I emailed Dr. Chung and this is what she said. Hi, Molly. I would love for you to treat yourself to a Korean spa day. I cannot say that there is 0% chance that the pregnancy is viable, but given your levels today, the chance has got to be less than 1%. If you're too worried about it and won't find it relaxing, then maybe you get a massage, but don't go into the steaming hot water. Hope this helps. Talk soon. Big hugs, Dr. Chung. I thought, okay, I'll go to the Korean spa once my pee tests start to fade. So, I clicked into my calendar to delete all of my medication alerts, and seeing them there, all on one page, got me feeling sentimental. Levothyroxine, 7 a.m., progesterone injection, 9 a.m., estrace, 10 a.m., progesterone insert, 1 p.m., estrace, 7 p.m., progesterone insert, 9 p.m. Yeesh, that is a lot of work, and that's what an average day has looked like for me for the last month or so. I looked at myself from the outside with this affection. I thought, I am one tough motherfucker. I've got stamina. I've been putting my body and mind through the ringer for over a year, and I am not giving up. I am proud of myself and enduring all of this by myself without a partner. I felt courageous and strong, and I don't know where I'll be in a week or a month or a year Or if I'll always feel this kind of strength, but the love I feel for myself right now is more than any other love that I've felt on Valentine's Day in the past. And now that I've got you feeling sentimental too, or maybe you're thinking I'm just super cheesy, let me change the subject and tell you something absolutely absurd. Last week, this is a good one everybody, last week I accidentally put one of my vaginal progesterone inserts into my urethra. Yeah, you heard that correctly, my urethra. My mom is going to kill me for telling you this, but I had to. It's too funny not to. Okay, so I was at Melissa and Martin's watching The Bachelor when my progesterone insert alert went off on my phone, 9 p.m. I raced into the bathroom, not wanting to miss a single delicious and hideous moment of this garbage, trashy show. I ripped down my pants, put the pill in position, pushed, and it got stuck halfway into me. It wouldn't go in. And it kind of hurt. 
and then it wouldn't come out. What was happening? What was this pill stuck in? I started to panic. Do I need an ambulance? Oh no, what if I miss the rose ceremony? I pulled myself together and got a grip on the capsule with my fingernails, and I pulled it out. What had just happened? How did that happen? Is that even possible? I rinsed off the capsule and shoved it into the correct orifice and ran back to the bachelor like nothing had ever happened. The next day, I asked my pediatrician friend, and she told me that was impossible. Urethras are too tiny. But she's a pediatrician. Maybe kid urethras are tiny, and my grown-up urethra is enormous. I did some research and discovered that the urethra in females is 4 centimeters long and 6 millimeters diameter. Guess what else is 6 millimeters in diameter? I measured it. My pill. Anyway, back to anatomy, the urethra is fused with the anterior wall of the vagina and the opening of the urethra is between the clitoris and the vagina, about 2.5 centimeters south of the clitoris, in fact. That's a lot farther than I realized. I thought it was way up there close to the buzzy bits. Despite my research, it still made no sense to me and no one believed me, especially my mom. Oh my God, you should have heard her making fun of me. I thought, maybe I have a septum in my vagina that no one's ever noticed and I I put this in some vestigial hole. Or, Or maybe the capsule just got vacuum sealed up into the folds of my labia somehow. I would have asked my doctor about it, but I completely forgot that it ever happened. And then four days later, I did it again. That's right, I did it again. What the hell is wrong with me? Except this time, I didn't panic. It was halfway up there, so I put my finger in my vagina, and lo and behold, I could feel the half of the capsule that was lodged in there, pressing up against my vaginal wall. Yeah, this wasn't stuck in no folds, people. This was lodged in my urethra. After pulling it out and making sure all of my pills were in the right holes, I grabbed my mirror and peed. And there it was, my urethra right above my vagina, not very close to my clitoris. So why aren't more people talking about this? I don't think people are embarrassed. I think I'm a freak. (laughs) I only found four accounts of women inadvertently putting vaginal suppositories in their urethras. But here's something weird and interesting. I ended up finding articles about lots of foreign bodies found in the bladder, and apparently sticking things in your urethra is a form of autoeroticism. Bobby pins, electrical wire, safety pins. One report talked about having to surgically remove four kidney beans from the bladder. But the craziest? A full-sized pen. The woman they found this pen in, she had been having urinary discomfort for six years. When they discovered the pen, she said she had zero recollection of a pen going in there. The point is, this happened to me, okay? I'm not crazy. I was just rushing. It probably won't happen to you, but just... Be careful and take your time when you're inserting your suppositories. And if this has happened to you, or if you're a doctor or a nurse and you catheterize people all the time and you know that this is possible, please feel free to message me and validate my experience because no one believes me and they're making me feel like I'm crazy and I don't know my own body holes. And now, back to my fertility. Okay, so remember how I said I'd go to the Korean spa as soon as my pee sticks started fading? Well, they're not fading. Today, Monday, my pee stick is darker than ever. This means my HCG is still going up. This doesn't mean that it's going to turn into a viable pregnancy. In fact, maybe it means it's more likely that I'm having an ectopic pregnancy. But you know what? There's no way for me to know any of this at this moment. So for now, I'm still pregnant until proven otherwise, which will probably be on Wednesday. So let's start this interview, shall we? 
On last week's episode, Lauren Pritchard brought up that her next step might be mini IVF. Mini IVF is basically like regular IVF except with minimal stimulation, so you're not doing as many of the shots in the first 14 days of your cycle. While mini IVF isn't really even an option at most clinics, last week I got to meet with a doctor who not only does mini IVF, but whose clinic actually specializes in natural IVF. His name is Dr. Yellian, and his clinic is called Life IVF Center. Hi, everyone. (laughs) I first heard about Dr. Yellian from a friend who's also a listener who now has two babies from Life IVF Center. Life IVF Center was established in May 2010. Just to give a little bit my background, and yeah. uh, I originally from uh, China. Mm-hmm. I finished medical school there, and also did my master's degree in OBGYN. Mm-hmm. So I came to the United States in 1987 and uh, finished my PhD degree at the Michigan State University. My PhD mentor uh, was uh, uh, Richard Duclos, and uh, Richard who? Duclos. 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 He is uh, well known. The endocrinologist, oh. physiologist, mm-hmm. and embryologist. Oh, wow. So in his lab and uh, has been trained many of world-renowned embryologists. So i probably one of the embryologists he trained. Are you an embryologist as well? Actually, my first job was embryologist. Oh, wow. Once an embryologist, always an embryologist? Or like, do you go into the lab now and still do embryology stuff? Yes, they can do that. Wow. Yes. And uh, because of uh, my training, so I think it gave me additional insight of the uh, IVF practice. As a doctor now, so I think uh, obviously uh, back to my uh, story and uh, finishing my PhD. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my first job was, was an embryologist and working at the uh, Wayne State University mm-hmm. and uh, as IVF la- uh, lab. Okay. So because of my medical background, and I was trained at MD and finished my OBGYN training, so I decided to take my United States medical license test. Mm-hmm. So I passed the test, and I had a chance to go back to my OBGYN residency again. So I finished the OBGYN residency, and which is four years. Uh-huh. And after then, and I finished the two years uh, infertility fellowship at Wayne State University. Okay. So Where's after- Wayne State? Wayne State is in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Probably because I listened to your seminar. <laughs> Could it be, yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Once a month, Life IVF Center holds a free seminar for anybody to come and learn all about the clinic. In that seminar, they also raffle off one free cycle of IVF, y'all. So after uh, I finished my fellowship training, so I was a, a physician and also a uh, associate professor mm-hmm. at the Wayne State University and the teaching medical students, oh. teaching the residents and the fellows, and also doing surgery and doing IVF. So I really enjoy the time and uh, to be a uh, three position in one role. And so I really enjoy the time and, uh, as a professor. Yeah, wow. That's that's a lot of education and experience. Yes. So I, I decided to come to California to open Life IVF Center is purely by uh, accident. Mm-hmm. And because of uh, uh, during my professorship and at the one of my uh, international conference, uh, I met another person and his name, the Osama Kado. And I think that Kado changed my life path. And mm-hmm. uh, so I met him in New Orleans at the uh, American Society for Reproductive Medicine annual meeting. Mm-hmm. So we became friends. And uh, so one time he invited me to visit his clinic in Japan. Oh. So that visit completely changed my mind. And I, I always thought uh, doing IVF only one way, which is uh, 
conventional IVF, which yes. is a practice. Ninety-nine percent of IVF are practiced in the United States doing yeah. all conventional IVF. Just to reiterate what I said earlier, conventional IVF is the IVF that we all know, where you go and you inject yourself with Menopure or Infolistim or Gonalef, and you grow all of your follicles as big as you can, and you harvest all of these eggs. And all of this medication costs anywhere between four, five, six thousand dollars. We thought that's the only way to do IVF. And here I visit Japan, visit Dr. Kado, and then I realized that there's a different way to do IVF. Yeah. Which is that in Japan they're doing IVF. Most patients don't use medication. Completely natural. Completely natural. Like no medication. Like how you're just going in there and getting one egg? Nowadays there's one clinic、uh, in Tokyo. And the one hundred percent natural IVF. Wow! And uh, but uh, in Cardo Ladies Clinic, they probably doing maybe I would say twenty to thirty percent natural, and another seventy or eighty percent of、uh, minimum stimulation IVF. And what what clinic did you say just now? Called Cardo Lady Clinic. Oh, okay.、Yeah. And that's the doctor. Doctor Cardo, which I'm. Oh, got it, got it. <clears throat> Dr. Kato. Yes. <laughs> If you're in Japan and you want to look it up, it's K A T O Ladies Clinic. So he was pioneer in the area of natural IVF and minimum stimulation IVF. Uh huh. So that's what I how I get into this, and because of、uh, I, that visit, I realized something. They are doing some extraordinary. Yeah. So then I asked him if I can spend some time to work with him. Yes, and he was so kind and allowed me、uh, to do that. So、and、then, Doctor Yellian took a sabbatical and spent many months over in Doctor Cado's clinic. And so I was able to do egg retrieval and doing embryo transfers. And most importantly, I have a chance to review and read and almost every single patient charts. Yes, and so I understand how they doing that and why and what time is the best time to give patient ovulation trigger and、yes. when to do egg retrieval and、yes. how to make embryo, when to do embryo transfer, and that the way doing quite different than what we practice IVF in the United States. Yeah. So that sabbatical really changed my mind, and also I know that something would be. Revolutionized in the field of、uh, IVF, especially in the United States.、Mm-hmm. So then I decided came back to the U.S. and、uh, sent my department chairman resignation letter, <laughs> and then opened the IVF clinic in、uh, Irvine, California. Wow. Okay. So tell us, explain to us what natural or precision. Did you call it precision one time? Yes. We will get the precision IVF a little bit later. Oh, okay. And, okay.、Uh, so so-called natural IVF, which is.、Uh, Uh, patient, uh, as uh, you know, woman,、uh, they have a follicle developed、mm-hmm. each month.、Uh, usually, one that's starting with the menstrual cycle, and the woman's follicle starting growing,、uh, develop, and at the middle of the cycle, like a cycle day, eleven、uh, or twelve, and the follicle become big, like a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen millimeter. Right. So at that point, and the,、uh, the ovulation will be gradually occur.、Mm-hmm. So after the ovulation, and then uh, the uh, follicle starting produce progesterone and ready for、uh, egg be fertilized and、mm-hmm. for embryo implantation. So so called natural IVF, just don't use any medication and just follow woman's follicle development pattern、mm-hmm. before egg ovulation. We take egg out, and it's just the one egg. Often just get、oh. one egg,、mm-hmm. but、uh, sometimes we get two, three, four. Some、uh, one patient I got the、uh, six eggs from her.、Oh. <laughs> Natural IVF cycle, you'd be surprised. And sometimes、uh, we do get multiple follicles. And so I just have too many questions for one. I want to let you keep going, and then I'll ask questions. Sure. 
So natural IVF, which means we can take it one egg, and this is a body naturally selected egg. Yes. Uh, as you probably know, uh, each uh, woman and each cycle, even if you just see one follicle and that developed, and but because of this follicle, actually the body and the ovary they activate multiple multiple follicles. Hundreds of follicles. They are competing each other. Uh-huh. But only one become a dominant follicle. And does it become a dominant follicle because it's better than the rest? Theoretically. Okay. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes we do get some other follicles. Uh-huh. But because of uh, uh, the quality of eggs, mainly depends on woman's age. Right. So we, with woman's age increase, the quality of eggs deteriorating. Yeah. Yes, go for it. You can answer, yeah. That was Dr. Yellian's phone Uh ringing. I told him to answer it. So while he's on the phone, let me just check in with you. Are you getting this? So natural IVF, they just wait for the dominant follicle to grow to the time of ovulation, and then they go in there and they grab it before it's ovulated. But when they do that, it's not just a dominant follicle that's there some of the time. There are still sometimes smaller (laughs) follicles hanging out as well. Uh, Where were we? So we talk about natural IVF cycles, and mm-hmm. so because of this is naturally selected, and there should be good quality eggs. Right. So now I back to your questions about the what's the difference between natural IVF and the conventional IVF. Yes. So the natural IVF, which is uh, don't use medication, yeah, following natural developed follicle and uh, take an egg out before ovulation and make an embryo, and then chance of an embryo results in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Conventional IVF, which is a practice in the 99% of IVF practice in the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, no matter your age, no matter what's your fertility goal, and just uh, using medication, and uh, usually spend five or $6,000 medication and produce 20, 30, or 40 eggs at yeah. one time, then they always believe the more the better. Right. So then after you receive so many eggs, uh, fertilize all the eggs, make embryos, and uh, uh, then from those embryos, you select a few good embryos for transfer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, with the now genetic testing, you can make sure we select the only embryos, a chromosome normal embryo for transfer, and uh, that can get women pregnant. But right. the truth is, do we need so many eggs? Do we need so many embryos to get a woman pregnant? Right. So now this is already 2020, so we're no longer like a... 10, 20, 30 years ago. Now we have so good technology, we can select good embryos without it to produce 20, 30, or 40 eggs to get a woman pregnant. Yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So now uh, I share with you the story. 2012 which is 80 years ago. Yeah. And we started the first precision IVF. Uh-huh. So that patient was from Houston, uh-huh. young couple, and both are physicians, and they have all the financial resources to do IVF in Houston, but they decided to come to Irvine, California, to do IVF. Mm-hmm. They wished to do IVF without using any medication, which we did. <clears throat> so the woman was, the, uh, I believe, was a 37 or 38 years old woman, uh-huh. and uh, so she has a history of endometriosis. So we did a complete natural cycle IVF, no medication. And so she has a one follicle. We take one egg out using one sperm from her husband, <laughs> made one embryo. Yeah. And we did a single embryo 
genetic testing yeah. confirm that embryo is a chromosome normal embryo. Oh, my God. We transfer that embryo to her uterus, and she results pregnancy, deliver a healthy baby girl. Wow. So that's the first precision IVF. Why is that different than natural? Precision IVF depends on what's the patient's age mm-hmm. and what is her ovarian function. Okay. And also, what is her fertility goal uh-huh. to determine a protocol suitable for her to get how many eggs to achieve pregnancy she wanted. I see, I see. For example, if a woman, 34 years old, the only reason she wants to do IVF is because of her tube block. Uh-huh. And so she could just like all other women to achieve pregnancy without any medication, without IVF. But because of her tube block, and so she cannot conceive naturally. Mm-hmm. So for 34 years old woman, we know her chance of embryo to be chromosome normal is about a 1 in 2 to 2 out of 3. Mm-hmm. So very good chance her embryo will be good. Mm-hmm. So for this woman, and we don't need to use $5,000 medication, produce 20 or 30 eggs to get her pregnant. Right. I know if I can get 4 eggs from her, I will get her pregnant Yeah, because the probability is that high. So for those patients, I can just choosing give her just a pill, make her to follicle grow, and then we get four eggs. And yeah. then get four eggs, make two embryos, and I know among those two embryos, most likely have one normal embryo. I can get her pregnant. So yeah. why not do that? So that's called a precision IVF. Right. Got it. So this is why. So I think uh, we are uh, launching a new program and mm-hmm. uh, just uh, uh, this year. Yes. And uh, so the new precision IVF, and uh, we uh, can... Uh, almost every uh, woman, and if they wish to do IVF, and so this will be uh, qualified for the precision IVF, and uh, will be based on the patient's age and her ovarian function, and also her fertility goal, mm-hmm. and we design a special protocol for her, okay, and get as many eggs as she needed, mm-hmm. and get uh, as many good embryos, yeah, and then we can have an embryo transfer and get her pregnant. Okay, sounds great. Yes. <laughs> So, and your success rates are pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you attribute the success, the higher success rate? Is it the fact that you're just giving more personalized medicine or or is it that when you're doing conventional IVF, you're gathering the one good egg, but you're also getting all these loser eggs? Right, exactly. <laughs> and also, uh, I could give you an example. And I had a patient uh, who is uh, African-American female. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she did a conventional IVF before. And uh, so using like $5,000 medication and they get the 19 eggs. And the chance of a fresh embryo transfer failed and the uh, frozen embryo transfer again. And uh, uh, there's uh, nothing left. So when she did it to, uh, come to us, and we believe at her age, we don't need uh, 19 eggs to get her pregnant. Right. So we actually, we just let her take a chlomiphone only. Is it, did you say Clomid? Yeah, <laughs> only, only medication she taking was Clomid. Okay. And we were able to total get eight eggs and five fertilized making embryo and the three blossoms and the two PGS normal embryo. So the first embryo transfer, she results pregnancy. The money she spent, $50. Comparison five thousand dollars medication spend on medication. Right, right, right. So I think uh, uh, probably there's something to do with because of I believe and the medication to make follicle grow mm-hmm. is just like you plant planting flower and give flowers a fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Not always get more fertilizer the better. Right. Very simple concept. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is uh, the best candidate for or like? Is this the best way to go for somebody that has 
low AMH or somebody that has PCOS or endometriosis where hormones might be bad for them? I think precision IVF uh, applied to everyone. Oh, yeah. Actually, I like what you said earlier, too, about like a young girl who's fertile, but she's got tubal blockage. Right. So this there's no be, reason to get 20 eggs. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect candidate. And so for, for those women as uh, have low ovarian reserve, and so I know if a woman has low ovarian reserve, which means uh, have very few follicles. Yes. And her FSH level is usually very high. Her what? Oh, her FSH, a- FSH level is very high. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the AMH level is very low. AMH. Yeah. And they're very low. I give you an example. And we had a patient who flew all the way from UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she was 40 years old. And mm-hmm. once she came to us, and because she said that, uh, the doctor from UK told her she have to use a donor egg. Otherwise, she has no chance to be successful uh-huh. because her FSH was like a 22, 24. Uh-huh. Her AMH level was a 0.01. Wow. And so she only have one or two follicles at uh, any given time. Wow. So we finished three natural cycle IVF yes. for her. After the finished three uh, natural cycle IVF, and we were able to get three eggs, made a three blossoms, and uh, made a two PGS normal embryos. Wow! First embryo chance for results pregnancy. Now she still have a one. Oh my god! Normal embryo left for, for waiting for chance. Unbelievable! And how old was she? She's uh, the time was forty. Now she's forty two years old. Yeah. So in each retrieval, you got. One egg or, or? For her, it was because mm-hmm. she only have a, such a high average level yeah. and the very few follicles. Yes, yeah. we did have one egg. So um, I remember during your seminar that I came to that you guys said that for a woman that's 40, I think 41, or I'm 41, mm. but uh, somewhere in my age range, you guys said you wanted a certain amount of embryos. Was it five or ten? Or I don't remember. Very, very good. And actually, we did a study uh-huh. in the 2016, and we analyzed about 1,800 embryos uh-huh. at a different age group. Mm-hmm. And we found out the women are younger than 34 years of age. Mm-hmm. The chance of an embryo to be chromosome normal yeah. is about two out of three. Okay. So women between uh, 35 to 37 years old, the chance of an embryo to be normal is about a one in two. Okay. Women between 38 to 40, the chance for embryo to be healthy is about a 1 in 3 to 1 in 4. Uh-huh. 41 to 42 years old, the chance of embryo to be healthy is a 1 in 5 to 1 in 6. Okay. And the woman between 30, uh, 43 to 44, the chance of embryo to be normal is a 1 in 8 to 1 in 10. Okay. So obviously above 44 years of age and the chance of a less than a 1 in 10, but it's still possible. Yeah. And so this is why we help a woman between 40, have 44, 45, 46, 47, even 48 years old woman successful with their own eggs. Yes, I remember you saying there was a, somebody that you treated who was 48 mm-hmm. and she had a baby. That's wild. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if your intention is to get for a 41-year-old such as myself, five embryos, does that mean that you would want to do five cycles? Or, Not necessary. Depends okay. of uh, depends of how's your ovarian function. Okay. So if your ovarian function is good and your average level between five to ten, uh-huh. and the anterior follicle counts between five to ten, yeah. And I can use the minimum stimulation IVF, uh-huh. maybe get five or ten eggs at one time. 
that depends of uh, uh, what is the patient average level oh, and how many follicles. <laughs> and the minimum stretching usually uh, I would depends uh, give some kind of uh, some oral pills, including either clomid uh-huh. or letrozole. Okay. And meanwhile, I can on top of uh, the oral pills, I can also give some injectable medication, mm-hmm. including gonorrhea, menopil, or folistim. But just so a smaller t- amount, very small dosage, okay. and so just boost up and so uh, okay. make follicle grow. Okay. Because if, you know, I think about it, about coming here next, actually the last time we talked, mm. I was, I had just done an embryo transfer and <laughs> I don't know for sure where I'm at right now. Um, Friday I did my first beta and my HCG was only 5.98 mm. and that I'm was, sorry. yeah, and that was nine days after the transfer mm. and my next beta was Monday and it was 26.3. Mm-hmm. And I have another blood test tomorrow. My doctor doesn't have any high hopes for anything, but anything is possible. <laughs> and uh, tell you a story. I have a woman from Japan, uh-huh. and uh, uh, her first beta was a six point nine. Yeah. Then second one was a twelve. Yeah. Then twenty four. Finally, deliver baby. Wow. So it can but happen. But how many? But at this point, last Friday, I was nine days after the transfer. Mm-hmm. So was it day three transfer or day five transfer? Day it might have been day six. I see day six transfer. Okay. Yeah, and the embryos looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. I must mm-hmm. say, <laughs> I can for sure say that they were gorgeous. Good. But uh, so tomorrow will be nine plus seven, sixteen days after a six day transfer. So that's twenty two days, right? So she said that if my um, my HCG isn't over 300 that that I'll, that she'll have me stop taking my PIO shots and estrogen and progesterone. Does that sound like a normal thing to you? The Based on the HCG level doubling, and yeah. it seems like it's a little bit slow, and yeah. also uh, seems like the timing of the uh, HCG pattern may not be looks normally. Yeah. So I think your doctor want to you stop your medication. There is possibility uh, he or she may be concerned about the uh, possible ectopic pregnancy. Right. So just keeping in mind. So I think, uh, but uh, anything is possible. So just yeah. uh, if uh, uh, any chance and uh, just continue to uh, observe. So I'm just, I'm curious if like, she and I talked about ectopic pregnancies and, and the chance of that and everything. She doesn't think that's, you know, she says her gut doesn't, that's not what she thinks is going to happen. But she said that if it, it, if it rises erratically, then it's a sign of an ectopic pregnancy. Also, if it rises slowly, then it's a sign of an ectopic pregnancy. So in what world would I know which is which? Like if tomorrow I go in and my, and it's over 300, I would be excited, but then that's a bad sign because it's a big jump. I don't think you needed too much worry. Yeah. And because uh, one, the HCG level is 300, and, uh, uh, which means the amount of the trophic blood cells is very few. Mm-hmm. And uh, so your gestational sac and also the uh, fetal tissue is still minimum. Yes. Very unlikely, even if in the tube, and there will not be rupture. Right. So as long as your tube is not rupture, and so usually have not have any life uh, uh, threatened. So I think uh, you don't need to worry too much. And mm-hmm. so, But uh, uh, the key thing is... Uh, 
when the HCG reach HCG level reached over the one thousand, uh, and uh, so at that point, if we are doing transvaginal ultrasound, we still can identify fetal tissue in the uterine cavity. Then more likely you have an ectopic pregnancy. Okay. So at that point, we can always stop medication, and we can also give you uh, some injection called methotrexate to stop right. the. Uh, she the told me about methotrexate, grow. and and then said that it's a chemotherapy agent, and that if. I wouldn't be able to try again for three months. Question about that. Mm -hmm. Would I be able to do a retrieval? Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting idea. Not that I'm not that I'm having an ectopic pregnancy. Right. So but, just to think about the worst. But if that happens, then I'm coming to you, <laughs> you for sure. I got I got to keep working on Hopefully it. Hopefully, you, know? you don't need to come to see me. So. Right. Well, <laughs> I do. So I have two more that are frozen, two more embryos, but they're both four cc's. But when mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, and uh. uh 41 is not a bad age. And so I think at your age, and so as we know, and the chance of an embryo to be normal is just, uh, 1 in 5, 1 in 6. So yeah. I think so, as long as uh, you don't give up, continue uh, banking the egg, make banking embryos, and yeah. you'll be, be successful. Well, for myself, would you think that I should do, um, if let's say, worst case scenario, and, and I, my, my four cc's don't work next round, and this isn't a pregnancy right now, um, would you suggest that I... Oh, you already told me. <laughs> I was going to say, should I do multiple... Um, but yeah, you need a full medical history yeah, for that. Yeah, for, first of all, we need to uh, do the exam and just yeah. to see how's your uh, baseline average level and how many antifortical counts you have yeah. and also what's your baseline AMH level. So we can uh, design a protocol suitable for you. And so if, if you say, Dr. Yenian, I'm someone uh, don't like medication, and mm. I would rather to do multiple cycles to banking more eggs, making mm. more embryos, and then natural cycle IVF may be good for you. Mm -hmm. But if you say, Dr. Yenian, I just want the time is... Uh, is an issue for me. I want to get a quick pregnant quickly. So yeah. if that case, then I'll be designing protocol. Get a one time has to use a little bit more medication and hopefully get more eggs and making more embryos. And hopefully yeah. one cycle we can have identify a PGS normal embryo. And uh, so hopefully that embryo can result pregnancy. You can do just by one times. Yeah. And so do you always suggest PGS testing? <laughs> it's at a certain age. That, that's a good question. So I think in general I using uh, thirty five or thirty six years old as a uh, cut-off cut age okay. and if a woman younger than 35 years old age and if she does not wish to do uh, PGS testing I'm okay and mainly because of, as I said earlier, so woman younger than 35 years old, and uh, so her chance of embryo to be normal is about a one in two to one in two to three, yeah. two out of three. So the probability is so high. So I think even uh, given embryo, the chance for she has a good chance to be successful. Yeah. But if a woman at the age of 41, and uh, we know the chance of embryo to be healthy is only one in four to one, uh, one in five, one in six. Yeah. So the probability is low. So I just hate to let you chance multiple, multiple times and failed all the transfers. Yeah. And even worse, what if embryo has Down syndrome? So you transfer embryo and mm -hmm. the results pregnancy, you're very happy. But uh, when you're doing amnion synthesis, you find out embryo has Down syndrome. Then yeah. you terminate pregnancy. Then you take another three or four months recovery. Then all the time wasted. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing is uh, I want to each one of uh, our audience know is yes. uh, all this is probability. Yes. And uh, as I said, a woman at age 40, 41 years of age and the chance of embryo to be normal is a 1 in 4, 1 in 5, 1 in 6. Yeah. And we usually sometimes we can give 1 in 4 to 1 in 6 because we do have some people who are very luck, 
lucky and there's also uh, four embryo I already have one normal embryo yeah. the one truly lucky patient I want to share with you that her story was uh, now she's about 31 weeks pregnant that woman yeah. and uh, so she was a, a woman from North Carolina and the woman and uh, so she has uh, uh, when she came to us it's uh, 41 years uh, 40 years of age and uh, she has a very poor ovarian function uh-huh. and has done uh, multiple monitoring and the FS level always very high, 40, 50, 60, 70. And uh, so uh, her image level is almost undetectable. So when she come to us, it was very skeptical because because most doctor told her uh, the only chance you can get a pregnancy is donor egg. But the, this is just the newly wedded uh, couple and she really want to have a biological child. Mm-hmm. So that woman uh, pre persistent she came to us and uh, fly multiple trips and uh, so and uh, spend uh, two years work with us mm-hmm. we only get one egg from her wow the egg was get from the cycle her baseline FS level was 85 85 is very high which, very very which high is very bad very Expl- bad and we have to time- explain that to my audience so sure. FSH is the hormone that your your pituitary gland is right yes is, is producing and it's telling your ovaries to grow more follicles. And it's only, it's super high when you're older because there's not very many follicles down there. So your FSH is just pumping hard. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so the high FSH you have, the, the poor of any reserve. Okay. So her FSH, normal woman at the FSH level, and it should be between 5 to 10. Okay. So the FSH level is 10 to 15 with no, your FSH level are uh, slightly uh, elevated and your ovarian function deteriorating. And if your FG level above 20, we consider deteriorating significantly. Yeah. And uh, so above 40, we call you most likely you become menopause. Wow. So someone at FG level 85 is just uh, almost <laughs> unthinkable. There's just uh, no way you can get an egg from her. And you took but her, we did. her on as a patient regardless of that. We, we did. You yes. don't have You don't have rules against... No, I think on. age and uh, ovarian reserve, and that's all the number. Numbers, number. So and you I don't. Think it, a lot of clinics they care about their their you know stats. rankings, their stats with mm-hmm. the CDC and all right. that stuff. You guys don't pay attention to that stuff. You're we just we feel care. bad because uh, I think the CDC data and especially lately, uh, last few years in the study using uh, they say you need so many cycles to uh, achieve pregnancy. But uh, this yeah. is the numbers uh, comparison for her. I just don't find this is uh, right because uh, we did spend so much time for her and mm-hmm. spend so many cycles, monitoring cycles, yeah. and most cycles canceled because we just cannot get an egg from her. Yes. So fortunately, we uh, got an egg from her and the egg was from the cycle baseline average was 85. Wow. We were using hormones to lower her average level. What hormones do you use for that? We're using uh, estrays. Estrays, okay. Yes. Using estrays to lower her average level and then eventually her follicle grow. Okay. So we received one egg, <laughs> made one embryo, and that embryo was not tested. Oh my gosh. We freeze a day three embryo and a compacting and a freeze that embryo. Three, we thought, day three compacting. Okay. Yes. We thought we can get more eggs from her. Then we tried a few more cycles. and But again, and there's still no uh, more. Oh, you froze blood. it at day three. We freeze day three. Okay, yes. got it. And then it. Uh, after two years, exact two years, yeah. one embryo and one egg. Another one? No, just that's oh, the only okay, one. Okay, okay. So uh, we agreed, and it's time for transfer. Yeah. July 23, we transferred the embryo. Uh. Now she's 31 weeks pregnant. Unbelievable. And uh, actually, even, be- even better, and uh, on the 10 weeks pregnancy, we did an NIPT test. Yeah. And showing 
very low risk of oh the abnormality. Gosh, so the this is a, So we're so happy for her. But the, again, when she got that egg, she was 41 years old. And the, uh, as you know, the mathematical probability, she should be one in five, one in six. Yeah. No, but she only won. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I had, uh, I had five blastocysts in my IVF cycle and none of them came back normal. I was on, sorry. I was unlucky. It's okay. Lucky I'm, day we come. I'm, I'm waiting for that lucky day. Yes. <laughs> I see so much, um, so much joy in your face when you're talking about each of these women. It's pretty wonderful. I, I can imagine that you feel maybe not godlike, but you're creating life. That's a pretty wonderful job. Yeah, and even more important, our team just that uh, we are constantly to offer this complimentary IVF for patients. And what is uh, that? What do you say? We offering complimentary IVF for patients. You are so I think we we offer so many and actually today and the, uh, the reason why I'm happy was because uh, today we're choosing another woman to Choose. be uh, giving her uh, IVF for free. Amazing. Okay, so let me just tell the listeners when I went to your seminar, you uh-huh. gave away. You basically uh, they have an informational seminar once a month in each of their locations, and at least in in the one I was in, there was a raffle, and one person was two seats down from me and she won a free round uh-huh. of IVF. Is this uh, what you're talking about? No, it's different. Something different? Yeah, it's different. What's and that because one about? This is called a uh, tis of the season. Tis of the season? Yeah. Okay. So I think every year at the end of the, during Christmas time, and uh, so we uh-huh. uh, let all the people and they share with us uh, her uh, fertility journey uh-huh. and uh, to see uh, how having their child meaningful to them yeah, and uh, why we should help them to give them a complimentary IVF treatment. Oh my God, that's so, wonderful. So a couple and what, then they... So they write something they for write you? They write a story to us. And oh uh, my so gosh. we have a team of a doctor, nurse, and they review all the articles. And then we believe oh this woman we should choosing to uh, give her a, a, a treatment, a free treatment. So that, oh that's what we, today we just made an announcement. So... Oh my gosh. Yeah, I heard somebody talking about it in the lobby. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, so that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. We have many of those women, and so they, uh, we just feel uh, that we're touched by all those stories. And yeah. so because we believe this is a woman, we need to help them. And because yeah. many of them obviously have a, a financial challenges, yeah. otherwise they were not the uh, position. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down a couple of questions when we were in the seminar, so I okay. just want to see if I have sure. any, I mean, if any of them are unanswered. So how many eggs do I want to retrieve in order to make a certain amount of embryos? Like if I want to make five embryos, how many eggs do we want to retrieve? That's a good question. Depends on the woman's age. And usually uh, also depends on which lab you work with. And the lab is so crucial. How's and your lab? Uh, is it good? Very, very good. And actually, <laughs> uh, just that uh, we had a, uh, yesterday we have an embryologist meeting, uh, our doctors meeting with our embryologist. Mm-hmm. So our embryologist presented us the, the data mm-hmm. and uh, our that particular week, we, we analyze data every week. So this week is a very, very good week. And uh-huh. so the uh, embryo made blood is almost 80%. Wow. Are the younger than 35 years of age. Uh-huh. Women, women between uh, 36 to 40, uh-huh. the chance of making embryos are 60%. Okay. And the 41 to 42 is kind of 50%. Okay. So very, very good chance of making embryos. So I think uh, uh, to answer your question, if you are doing this week, mm-hmm. and then, so we make uh, six eggs, should get a three embryos gotcha. processed. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Well, I just want to, uh, again, ask, like, just about the concept of, like, the dominant follicle, the egg that's in there being the best quality one. 
So what does that mean for any other eggs that you might get in a cycle? Are they, you think, not as good or... You, you obviously think some of them are valuable because you do mini IVF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very good question. And uh, uh, the hypothalamus are uh, speaking. And because of uh, uh, the naturally uh, selecting dominant follicle. Yeah. And uh, uh, in general, and although I don't think this is a very well studied has been done, mm-hmm. but I do believe uh, the egg quality uh-huh. mainly associated with the woman's age. Uh-huh. So as long as it's young, and the majority of eggs, they are good. Mm-hmm. Even, even if not dominant follicle, they still be good. So I th- as long as you can, a uh, woman's younger age. So I think uh, if you use uh, too much medication to make this follicle grow, and uh, that have some kind of impact of egg quality. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, if you're naturally selecting and or if you use mild stimulation and to make follicle grow, I think uh, most of our eggs still will be good. Do you ever get more than one follicle on a completely natural cycle with no mm-hmm. medication? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what is the, your, your lead follicle would be about, you said 17 to 20 millimeters. Did you say that? Depends. Depends on woman's age. And then mm-hmm. if a woman younger and I can let the follicle grow a little bit bigger. But if a woman getting older, like 42, 43, ah. and 40, so I would like to retrieve egg much earlier, like a 14, 15, 16 millimeter follicle, I need to trigger her. Interesting. So, uh, when we uh, trigger her and we get a dominant follicle, and uh, sometimes we can get uh, eggs from a small fo- non-dominant follicle. And uh, very often, you'll be surprised. And uh, I think I still remember the patient I uh, treated her, and she was from Las Vegas. And that patient, I get uh, six eggs from complete natural cycle. Oh, wow. And actually, she has three mature eggs. Wow. So either could happen. <laughs> and, uh, so what's uh, the smallest size that you would retrieve? Any uh, follicle size above uh, six or seven millimeter, okay. I can actually uh, retrieve. And, and I do have a patient that had a live birth uh, from the follicle eight point five millimeter. Wow, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. My only other question is, um, why do we do ICSI with when you have frozen sperm from a sperm bank? Because I, I'm using sperm from a sperm bank mm-hmm. and quality of that sperm shouldn't it be pretty good since they've gone through rigorous testing and they're young kids and mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. yeah why why ICSI uh for two reasons and the ICSI number one and uh, uh the fertilization rates are higher mm. so if you don't do ICSI and they just let a sperm and egg in the culture, same culture dish and uh, the fertilization rate usually is about 60 to 70 percent mm-hmm. but if you use ICSI and the, the fertilization rate should be 80 to 90 percent and so does everybody just do ICSI for everything now? Actually, we do. And yeah. actually, in our clinic, and uh, uh, most patients do ICSI. Okay. And uh, so that's number one. And number two, even more importantly now, because of uh, ICSI, which means using single sperm, yeah. in, put inside of you, uh, the, the, the egg, mm-hmm. make a fertilization occur. So if the later, and we want to do embryo genetic testing, mm-hmm. so that embryo more easily to be not be contaminated. For example, mm-hmm. if you are uh, egg be fertilized by the sperm, and the more multiple sperm may attach the, on the zona pellucida, which yeah. is the outside layer. Yeah. So those are, uh, sperm has contained DNA. Uh-huh. So when you do biopsy of the embryo, and the, you could be contaminated with some kind of sperm DNA. Interesting. So that would be not accurate. So I think uh, with the ICSI, have uh, the uh, the uh, the the, yeah. uh, the uh, embryo biopsy be more accurate. That, their, their mess all over the outside exactly. of the Exactly, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another reason. Um, interesting. Have you ever heard of the Zymot tri- chip? Is that what it's called? Zymote. Zy- yeah. Yeah. 
that's for selection. Do Sperm. you guys yeah, use so that? We just ready to get. A, uh, actually, we talked with the the company and the couple of days ago, and the, so we'll be starting to try that. Oh, also. interesting. Yeah. yeah, one of my clinics doesn't use it. The where I did my IVF, and then the place where I do did my um, egg thawing from mm-hmm. that place uses the Zymot. Is it called chip? I don't remember, <laughs> but they use that. Yes. Um, so you have you don't know if you're if you like it or not yet. You're From gonna... the concept wise, I think it's good. It's, it's uh, has the potential and then be easier to selecting good sperm and the more natural selection. So I think uh, uh, making sense. Yeah. The Zymont sperm separation device facilitates the separation and preparation of highly modal sperm with normal morphology to be used in assisted reproductive technology procedures. The Zymote devices can be used to prepare sperm for ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm injection, and intrauterine insemination, IUIs. So anyway, ask your clinic if they use it. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you come here for for uh, interview for today. And because of uh, uh, actually just off this week, we are launching a personalized precision IVF okay. in Acadia okay. office. And uh, um, I'm in your Arcadia office right now, and it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Oh my gosh! So gorgeous. you know, and uh, this is the first time we <laughs> offer this, and uh, so one personalized precision IVF. Yes. Including medication. Yeah. Including egg retrieval, including ICSI, including embryo freezing, including PGS testing. It, oh. All inclusive, ten thousand dollars. That's amazing. And the most centers, uh, if you put it together, $25,000. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you're talking about your um, that your costs openly and not, not keeping it shrouded from the world because it's so hard to get anybody to talk about the actual costs of any of these things. So that's one cycle, including any, any of the, if you had to do mini IVF, including medications for that? All inclusive. Wow. Wow. That sounds great. I'm glad that you exist. I'm, I'm, I'm sure my listeners are going to get a lot out of this. And uh, I, I know, personally, I know a couple listeners that I think, well, one of them is going to contact you tomorrow because I told her about you today. Okay, <laughs> But um, I think you're doing a good thing here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, and I appreciate what you're doing. You're welcome. I hope we can help more people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, what a lovely fella and what a lovely idea. Definitely something for all of us who are trying to conceive or going through this process should consider. If you're interested in Life IVF Center and want to attend one of their monthly seminars, go to lifeivfcenter.com. They have two locations, one in Irvine and one in Arcadia. Now, it's Monday afternoon and all day long I've been wondering about something. You know how earlier I said I'm pregnant until proven otherwise? And you know how I held off on going to the Korean spa because I thought there might be possibly, probably not, but possibly a sliver of hope, even though it was just a sliver? Well, it occurred to me that progesterone is produced by the corpus luteum, and the corpus luteum, which is the empty follicle that your egg came out of, doesn't exist in me because I didn't ovulate this month. Does that make sense? You would only have a corpus luteum if you ovulated and the egg came out of the follicle, creating a corpus luteum. Okay, so anyway, my ovulation was suppressed by estrogen this month so that when it came time for the transfer, we could control the amount of progesterone in my system with progesterone supplements. Which means, if by any sliver of a chance I am having a viable pregnancy, now that I've stopped the progesterone supplements, there's no progesterone coming from any source, internal or external. 
uh-oh. So then, I emailed Dr. Chung, of course, because she's so patient and she answers my questions. It's very kind of her. Here's what she said. You are right that you don't have a corpus luteum to support a pregnancy right now. It's always a tough call when deciding when to stop the meds because the last thing I would want to do is stop supporting a pregnancy that might have a chance of making it. This has to be balanced against the alternative, prolonging the inevitable. Since the beta was so much lower than it should have been last week, I felt it was a better choice to stop the meds so that hopefully we can move on to brighter days ahead sooner rather than later. If it will help you to see what the beta is doing tomorrow instead of waiting until Wednesday, we can totally do that. Okay. And that makes total sense and I completely trust her judgment. But since she gave me the option and since my pee stick was darker than ever this morning, I'm going to go and do another beta tomorrow, Tuesday. Because if for some crazy reason it's up there and it's viable, well then I'll start on the progesterone again. It's not going to happen. But I don't know, y'all. I do not know. But you know what I do know? It's Monday night and The Bachelor is on. It's going to start in an hour. I'm not going to put anything in my urethra tonight. I'm just going to watch the show. I love you all so much. If you want to send me a message, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Text me at 323-741-1818. Leave me a voicemail at 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Spermcast. Oh, you know what I didn't push a lot this week? My Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Spermcast. You know what happens when you sign up for Patreon. You get lots of extra content, and you don't have to wait for updates. You can find out what's going on in real time. Another way you can support the podcast is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on Apple iTunes. It really helps. Go for it. Go do it. Oh, here's another thing. Urios, this network that my podcast is on, was in the LA Times this weekend. The Sunday paper. Amazing. Amanda, Maria, and Priyanka, the creators and owners, they were all interviewed. Wonderful article. And Voyage LA did a little piece on me as well. You can find both of those on my Instagram at Spermcast. Okay, I'm out of here. Love you so much. Talk to you later. Thanks for being my pal. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.